I'm Karen Lewis, and welcome to Recovery Bites, a show that gets real about recovery, where we welcome voices in the field and voices of experience. Join me for candid interviews with experts in eating disorder and mental health recovery. Listeners can look forward to new perspectives, meaningful conversations, diverse connection, and compelling personal narratives that make a powerful difference in how we live. Episodes focus on life beyond recovery, the good and the not so good, the successes and the challenges, and the authentic accounts of recovered lives. Not their whole story, just bites. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Recovery Bites. I'm so excited. This week, we are doing our bite for the week. So for those of you that this is your first time hearing it, this is where I do not interview a guest, but what I do is I answer listeners' questions. And I think that's a really, really fun way to all be doing this together. For This is a community effort, right? So everybody's involved in the podcast. So what I typically do is I'm going to read, I'm, I'm going to be asking three questions today from three listeners. And I normally will, what I will do, I don't know why I said normally, what I'm going to do is I will read the question, each question individually, and I will answer after. As I say every week, please know I am speaking from my truth. I am not speaking from the sense of an, an actual truth, world, universal truth, shall we say. I'm speaking from my own experience. So there are other, there are other alternatives out there to other people. And if you feel differently or think differently, that's okay. We all have a different perspective about life. There's not one that's right and one that's wrong. So I'm going to start with the first one, which actually isn't a question. It's it's more of a comment. So this person asked me to talk about something on recovery fatigue slash empathy after so many years of fighting. And then they end it by saying, I'm exhausted. So there's a few things that I want to say about that. So first of all, One of the reasons why we get recovery fatigue is because we're still fighting recovery. When you are in your eating disorder, that in and of itself is exhausting. And so there are people that can be doing some of the work. And by the way, this isn't blaming anyone. This is just understanding what stage of recovery you're in. So there are people that will be doing some of the work, but they're still fighting their own self because they're still very behavioral. They're very much in the mindset of the eating disorder. So that's exhausting. As a lot of you know, we call it the eating disorder self and the healthy self. And when the two of them are in conflict, that's really tiring. The other thing is being in an eating disorder is exhausting physically and emotionally. So if you are, you know, quote unquote, going through the recovery process, but you're still very behavioral, 
that means there's a possibility of malnourishment. That means a possibility of cycles of binging and purging. That means there's a possibility of binging, a possibility of over-exercising. There's so many other ways of compensating. So we get confused and think, oh, but I'm going to therapy or I'm going to an intensive outpatient program, but you're still using all the same behaviors in between sessions and that's exhausting. I remember saying to my father, I'm too young to be this tired. And that was because of my eating disorder. The empathy piece. Now, I'm also reading this the way I see it. So I, I can't, I'm not sure if this is how the, the listener meant it. I'm going to be brutally honest. People that are around somebody with an eating disorder for a long time, they are humans as well. And sometimes they hit their limit. It's okay. We can't determine how someone is going to respond to us. We always want empathy and compassion. But sometimes when somebody has been behavioral and lying and sneaky and manipulative, to be in their eating disorder behaviors, that empathy is hard to reach in if you're a support or a loved one or a parent or a sibling or partner. It's hard sometimes to reach in. So what I, what I recommend people do is when you're reaching out for support, don't reach out for, well, hang on, let me take a step back. I was going to say, don't reach out for support behaviors. Of course, reach out for support for behaviors. But you also have to be cognizant of who you're reaching out to. So, you know, if you have a therapist, reach out to your therapist about the behaviors. If you have a recovery coach, reach out to the recovery coach, the dietitian, you know, other, whatever it is. But the reality is, is that if somebody's never had an eating disorder, they don't understand what you're saying when you, when, when anyone is constantly talking about the same patterns of the eating disorder and the thought process they don't understand that. So they start losing empathy. And one of the reasons why they don't understand it is because you're not getting support about the real issue. The real issue underneath is I have low self-esteem. I didn't do well on an exam. I, I don't like my job. I, I don't feel like I fit in. That everybody can resonate with. So empathy lasts longer. It stays. It's there's more there's more sustainability in empathy because now you're connecting at a human level. If I just went to my family when I was in my eating disorder and was just like behavior 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 pause behavior 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 pause behavior that what there's there's nothing they can really do for that. If I went to them though and said I'm having a lot of anxiety. I have a lot of maturity fears. Well, now we're starting a conversation. By the way, not an easy conversation, but at least a conversation that's going to go somewhere. So that's often when I think people are losing empathy. It's because we're just presenting to them the eating disorder. We're not presenting what's truly underneath. 
Another thing when you're getting recovery fatigue, I want you to ask yourself, am I sabotaging this? Am I putting up my own hurdles? Am I putting up my own roadblocks? And if so, that's where the work needs to be done. It is not an easy process. There were many times when I wanted to stop. That was when I had to do therapy around, why do I want to stop here? What's happening now? On another note on the exhaustion is, it's a lot of work. I, when I used to run residential programs, clients used to collapse on the couch at eight o'clock and they could barely keep their eyes open. The reason is working on yourself is not easy. You bring up a lot of suffering, which is emotionally and physically exhausting. You bring up a lot of things that you've been struggling with that you're trying to work through that's uncomfortable right? So these are not things that are like rejuvenating. I also want to say though, there are things that you're going to work through that are so rejuvenating. You get these aha moments that are, that are like, it's like a life force going through your body, but it is so much work. When you're trying to recover, you are literally walking through the day, trying to do the opposite of what you think is organic. I thought the way I thought in my eating disorder was my truth, the way it was. So when I started the recovery process and I started going against my behaviors, I started going against my negative critical voice. I started challenging myself. Whew, that was exhausting. There were times when it was just so much easier to be like, oh, I'm just going to go back to the eating disorder. I know how to do the eating disorder. I know it well. Living in the world without it was very tiring and exhausting and unfamiliar for me. Recovery fatigue and exhaustion comes for a number of reasons. And you have to ask yourself, why are you so tired in the process? Are you so tired because you're still very active in behaviors? Are you so tired because you are doing really hard work that is exhausting? Or are you so tired because you might be doing work in the wrong place? These are all questions that really only you can answer, the one who's struggling. I hope that answered it. And I'm going to go into our second question again, all in the same theme. So this next question is, what is your advice for people who have been struggling with an eating disorder for 10 or more years? My advice is keep working. Keep working on the recovery process and ask yourself, why am I still working on this after 10 years? When I ask somebody to ask themselves that, I'm not blaming the client. I am not saying like, well, you know, why have you said... What I'm saying is, is if you go inside, if I went deep inside when I was in my recovery process and I'd been struggling for 10 or more years, if I was really quiet and really honest with myself, I could actually answer that. Again, that is not blame. That is just understanding. The reality for me was, for example, 
I was still struggling with intimacy fears, well, then I need to do a lot of work around that. And that's okay. Sometimes we think we're doing the work that's necessary, which by the way, it's all necessary, but there's different priorities, there's different stages. And so there are times when I was avoiding the really big topics when I was in my recovery process. Like I was afraid to talk about my intimacy fears. I was afraid to talk about my maturity fears. So, you know, so I I did a lot of work in therapy, but I wasn't really going into the things that were oh, just keeping me stuck because I because I was afraid. Also, once I realized that it was because I was afraid, I had more compassion for myself. I didn't blame myself and been like, oh God, I'm still stuck. I'm like, oh, now I see I'm scared. Okay, I can work with that now that I understand it. A lot of it has to do with being silent and really going inward to be honest with yourself. I know that people can do that. It's hard. But if you really, really sit with some of these questions, you might not want to admit the answers. You might say, yeah, yeah, that's it. But you will find answers as to why after 10 years, you're still struggling. And again, that is never to blame anyone. That is to say that you're either too afraid to approach something, which fear can be paralyzing. You're in denial. There's something that you still haven't tapped into. Or you're going about therapy in a way that's not working for you. So gratefully, there's all new different kinds of treatments out there now. I have clients that have been through residential time and time and time again, and they are still not recovered. Gratefully, there are new virtual programs out there that are seven-day-a-week PHP within health, equip. For some people, they still needed to be at home with their family to be able to do the work. For some people, they were older and didn't want to be in a program with teenagers. For some people, they couldn't afford to go to treatment or they weren't able to leave their own living environment due to being the parent or whatever it is. Do you keep trying to do the same thing? And you're still stuck. So that's also another thing I say, ask yourself, do I keep going into the same treatment modalities and really getting the same results? I just thought of another one, and this is, this is always a big one, but insurance. So my heart breaks, breaks when people get pulled prematurely. People get pulled prematurely from treatment all the time, and then they become the ones that everyone says they're never going to recover. They're always like in the revolving door, going in and out of treatment. Insurance pulls prematurely and has people discharged from programs sometimes when they're at their most vulnerable. And there are some times that we can't change the insurance system. So you have to work even harder to find a way to make the treatment work. Like I said, doing a virtual program, something like that. But never give up. Don't give up. If you get five years of recovery, that's five incredible years of your life that you're experiencing without an eating disorder. It That is worth a lifetime. Don't ever give up. 
I am now going to transition to my third question, which is, it's hard sometimes to remain hopeful for full recovery when recovery isn't linear and it can go for over 10, 15, or more years. Advice on why a person shouldn't give up. Please speak to the fact that some people never recover fully. How does one know when it's time to settle for semi-recovery? So to some degree, I feel like I answered half of that question in the first one because we are staying with the same theme. Um, and my feeling is that the eating disorder is not working for you. So that's why you shouldn't give up. There, there's, there's more out there and that more might be frightening to you, but okay, then work through that phase of it. But the recovery, the eating disorder, forgive me, everyone, has never proven to work the way you imagined it would in your mind. Hence why you keep doing it again and again and more and more and more because you think, oh, maybe next time. So the reality is, is that it doesn't matter how long you've been recovering for. Do not give up. Now, this also does lead into the next question of what about the fact that some people never recover or how do I know when it's time to semi-recover? That's a really complicated question and I'll tell you why. There are some people that have to learn through harm reduction how to live in their eating disorder. There are people that do not have the financial means to go to treatment. They do not have the physical accessibility to go to treatment. They do not have the time to go to treatment. Please hear me when I say this, because I think this is a very controversial topic. I am not saying, ah, give up, make some excuses, say you just couldn't make it to treatment. That is not what I'm saying. And that being said, there are blocks for some people where we have to say, is this enough to have you function in the world? By the way, if you have the means and you have the funds, if you have the privilege of the financial resources, I'm going to encourage you to never give up, to continue trying. That being said, not everybody has the privilege to be able to recover. And we have to recognize that. So do I want someone to live in semi-recovery? No, I want someone to be fully recovered. Do I want someone though to live in semi-recovery because it's going to save them physically? It's going to save them physical harm? Yes, I do. Again, I know that's a very controversial topic. I'm very open if other people have different ideas. I do not want anyone to take the message that I'm just like, ah, yeah, do that, live in semi-recovery. Because you know what? For me, that was worse. When I was in semi-recovery, that for me was hell. It was like purgatory. I wasn't in the world of being recovered and I wasn't fully in the world of being in my eating disorder and I just existed. And that was very uncomfortable. So I used my resources as, a, as somebody with privilege to be able to go out and get the therapy that I deserve. All right, everybody. I I know this was a quick close down, but you guys know me when I'm ready to end, I gotta go. <laughs> so 
that is the end of this week's bite. Please keep, keep sending questions. I love it. My producer, Jen, loves it. We have so much fun with this. We want to hear from all of you. And if you have any feedback, please reach out. All right, everybody, that does it for another episode of Recovery Bites. I look forward to speaking with each and every one of you next week. Take care and stay safe. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Recovery Bites. Be sure to visit recoverybitespodcast.com to join the conversation, access show notes, listen to past episodes, and more. You can also find us by searching for Recovery Bites on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and major podcast streaming players. For weekly episode releases, you can follow us at at Recovery Bites Pod on Instagram. If you're interested in becoming a guest on the show or to submit a guest request, please visit KarenLewisEDC.com forward slash podcast signup to begin the process. I'd also like to send out a heartfelt thank you to my producer, Jen Galvin. It is unbelievable the magic she does behind the scenes. All right, everyone. See you next week for another Recovery Bite. Thanks for listening.